0: blog talk radio
1: But uh, or there's primaries, but today uh, you know some uh, 3,000 Verizon uh, workers were on strike, and uh, in New York, and they, uh, um, you know, Bernie went down and uh, joined the crowd, and uh, gave a speech, and I was kind of happy to hear about that, and um, also I guess uh, Hillary went down to some other spot there and said something, but um, you know uh they they uh they were the ones that uh stood behind bernie you know uh they were the verizon workers the uh uh communication workers union forty two thousand uh people there in new york um you know were uh endorsed bernie today so that's pretty good um you know of all the things that um i i don't know i i've, I've been having a lot of trouble with uh understanding these these primaries, I write about them on my on my website quite a bit, and uh, um, you know updates and and, and and trying to rationalize what's happening here in this uh, in this uh, uh, election. I guess I'm doing all right in my explanations. So I have a, uh, about three million visitors a month to the site, um, but uh, aside from that uh I, I, I guess what bothers me to, uh, right now is um seeing um, all of this <laughs> um just just uh bother me but seeing seeing this in um i, I in, in in full view here um that's <laughs> probably silly to say that but i I'm kind of at a loss for words but when it comes to this when it comes to this election. Uh, and as a whole the whole democratic process, you know, just, just, just eludes me on, on this. I didn't think it did it would be so I I I always knew it was rigged, I always knew there was rigging involved, but now that you know now that you see your own with these own your own parties, uh tearing down front runners it's like uh, it's unbelievable because the fix is in for the for you know the fix is in for hillary the fix was in for you know anybody but trump <laughs> so you know it's uh it's kind of interesting the way the politics works but there's a couple of really good union things that came up uh recently and uh, I'll talk about that. The Department of Education just did something major for Americans with disabilities. Let's let's look and see what that was about, because I, I have, a lot of great things are happening Of in in some areas. Starting yesterday, more than 387,000 people began finding out they qualify for complete forgiveness of their existing federal student loan debt. Wow. Huh? Since 2012, people certified by the Social Security Administration as totally and permanently disabled were able to use that finding to qualify for discharge of their federal student loans. Even though these 387,000 people uh, qualified for discharge of their student loans, they continue to struggle with their federal student loans um, often because they just don't know they could have their debt discharged. Uh, Well, Natalia Abrams Executive Director of Student Debt Crisis, said that her organization is both encouraged by their, these steps and empowered to demand more comprehensive reform. It is our hope that the Department of Education will continue to work with the agencies, such as Social Security Administration and the Internal Revenue Service, to notify student loan borrowers about all available government loan programs, which will prevent further defaults. As part of the implementation of President uh, Barack Obama's Student Aid Bill of Rights, the Department uh, compared Social Security Administration data to student loan records to proactively identify qualifying borrowers. And the uh, Department of Education will be reaching out to each individual borrower who qualifies, letting them know that their federal student loan may be forgiven and including an Application for the discharge letters will begin going out next week and will continue to be sent over the next 16 weeks. Well, that, that's wonderful news, though, isn't it? Well letters will con- include the U.S. Department of Education seal in the top right corner and the recipient's name and so on. Um, and uh, that's all it says right there. Yeah, um, that's great. And about um, and what it says is, dear. Jane Doe or Dear John Doe, you know. Um, let's see if I see this letter. Oh, excuse me. That's almost impossible to read that. But um, you, you'll know what it is if you get if you get the Department of Education letter for total and permanent disability discharge. You'll know it when you get that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. it's that's a really good thing. I'm very, very, very pleased that that's happening for a lot of people. You know, can't imagine being totally disabled and still having your damn, uh, student loans. Um,. Fifteen dollars an hour is only part of the answer this past week, two of these country's biggest states, California and New York, took monumental steps to combat income inequality in America. both uh, passed uh, legislation to increase their minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour in the coming years that 's more than double the paltry seven twenty five an hour guaranteed by the federal government. more than nine million working and larger paychecks. This is really life altering. Yeah. It is it is. It really is. Yeah. And uh the effort to increase the minimum wage does not end with California and New York. There are twenty one states languishing uh at the seven twenty five an hour rate. Nor does it end simply with lawmakers ensuring fair uh, pay for hard work. There are other uh, tools in our kit that can uh, make a big difference. For example, how about harnessing our considerable uh, consumer power to help uh, support good employers who treat their workers well? Well, the typical American. Um, The typical American consumer cares about what he or she places in their shopping carts. Uh, Environmentally friendly products, organic and natural foods, and socially responsible companies bank on people consciously deciding which of these purchases best reflect their values. When it comes to fair wages and good working conditions, consumers often don't know where to start. This late campaign, uh, hashtag buy blue from labor, 411, the nation's number one union directory, is a uh, week-long educational effort that kicks off on April 11th to encourage and uh, celebrate the ability of consumers to use their buying power to make a difference and strengthen the middle class. In a country where consumer spending accounts for nearly 70 percent of the gross national product, Americans, consumers, have a t- tremendous opportunity to effect real change. During um, during no, this is worth mentioning again um, that our country consumer spending accounts for nearly seventy percent of the gross national product. So that means we decide what we what gets bought and what gets you know what companies thrive and what companies don't and what gets bought. Well, America's consumers have a tremendous opportunity to affect real change. Yeah. During uh, hashtag buy blue, I just, um, uh, hashtag buy blue week, we ask the consumer to uh, sign a pledge to purchase two union made products by buying blue. That change can happen a few products at a time. Multiply that by millions of shoppers, and you've got yourself real change. We can build a movement that, has make, that can make a difference. Of working families, we ask that you join us in Buy Blue the week of November of April 11th. That's this week, so that we can uh, take the next steps to move uh, equitable America. For more information, visit Buy Blue, and I'm going to go to that site because I think it's um, it's important. This being Union Week, uh, Labor 411 is the name of it. Buy blue. B-U-Y-B-L-U-E. Yeah. Interesting too, yeah. Uh. how to find good products. Because you uh, Instagram and uh and win the Buy Blue Best of Awards, the Buy Blue Consumer Pledge. I'll just read that. Then you can go on to yourself. Buy Blue. Okay. Dot. Call Buy Blue. Yeah. Just put it in Buy Blue. Uh, uh, what was the pledge? Oh, here it is. All right. The Buy Blue Consumer Pledge. Jobs here in the U.S. By buying blue, I am pledging to use my consumer power to support American middle-class jobs and fight back against the country-going economic equality. Hmm. For ta- for taking the, the buy pledge, uh, for taking the buy blue pledge, you will be entered in a raffle to some uh, wonderful places, courtesy of Labor 411 are super pledgers. Uh, Those who not only sign the pledge, but also upload photos of themselves in American activities. That's too much trouble. Uh, Let's see. There's just a list of companies that... The Live Blue Challenge. But uh, they don't even give you a. Uh, oh, Consumer Products Directory and ca- by category. There you go. Labor 411. That's not, That's the website. Labor 411. And by union now. Uh, oh. Okay. alcohol and beer do different things okay what uh, alcohol companies who are the union companies One, Labor 411 yeah. Check it out Check it out It's very cool now Let's see what else we got here That would be interesting Uh, uh. True. Anybody ever hear about the American Enterprise Institute? Yeah, it's the biggest bunch of neocons that, that you know uh they're they're all um what they call peanut's, you know. Planned American century. Planned the new the planned PNAC, planned uh, new American century, And uh they're the guys that got us into the Iraq War, you know. And it's, it's just, just crazy bastards. They're all, they're all Bush, Bush bastards. And uh, uh, what's remaining left of them? Uh, they create a fantasy about runaway CEO pay. I'd rather pass up that. that uh, I don't like giving them any credit whatsoever for anything. Even I, I don't even like to to, to put their, bring up their name, the American. Enterprise Institute I mean a bunch of blockheads They are there And what they've, come, they, what they've cost this country Is so amazing It can never be taken can never be made up And you know With the Bush With eight years of Bush And, 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 and another eight years of Obama Spend hell on wheels Because these guys Have more or less been In charge of the military you know, For the last uh, 16 years Yeah Yeah I don't realize that, but it's true. It, yeah, it's true. Uh, <clears throat> um, Richard Trumka, uh the AFL-CIO president, issued the following statement in reaction to the Department of Labor's final fiduciary uh, ruling. Long overdue, the uh, Department of Labor rule will protect retirement investors. Well, Richard said that uh, the FLCIO President Richard Trumka ensured the following statements in reactions to the Department of Labor's finan- final uh, fiduciary ruling. We applaud the Department of Labor for getting the fiduciary rule over the finish line after a long and thorough rule-making process that took into account a multitude of stakeholders' interests. While politicians on both sides of the aisle acknowledged our requirement, rather our retirement income crisis, very few are willing to do anything meaningful about it. With this rule, the Labor Department is putting a, top, a stop to business as usual. Means putting an end to the siphoning off of hard-earned retirement funds by salespeople uh, masquerading as objective investment professionals. We know that financial industry opponents of the rule will continue their efforts to prevent it from being enacted, and the AFL-CIO will be watching to see how members of Congress respond to their entreaties. This a rule is critical to promoting retirement security for working men and women. It means we will have more of our hard-earned funds available for a secure and dignified retirement. With the fiduciary rules finalized, the FLCIO urges the administration to finish its work on the overtime rule that will bring working people closer to earning their rightfully earned overtime pay. So there you go, folks. That's something that... uh, everyone's, you know, fighting for, yeah, so, that is a good thing, let's see if I can, I think I saw this one, but I'm not sure, yeah, I read this, all right, um, there's all kinds of problems, you yeah? know. All kinds of problems. I think. Um, let me see if. Uh, I'd, I'd like to um, read this. How. This is only about four minutes. How did Wall Street wreck? the U.S. economy.
0: We have another crisis. We call it panic. We have different names for them. For 140 years, the pattern is just under so Elizabeth this is Warren talking. the Great Depression. And coming out of the Great Depression, we put three new regulations in place. Glass-Steagall, which divides our community banks from the Wall Street Investment banks, FDIC insurance, and some SEC regulations so you can invest on Wall Street and they can't cheat you too directly. Or... 50 years, we have no bank failures, no major crises. It works. It gets to be the early 1980s. We go with this idea of let's get rid of regulation of what happened. Late 1980s, savings and loan crisis should have been a warning. Late 1990s, remember long-term capital management? No. The hedge fund should have been a warning. Early 2000s, in line, should have been a warning, but we let it go. And where do we end up? in the biggest crisis since the Great Depression. We are here to inspire a nationwide movement.
2: We are here to inspire
0: a
1: nationwide movement. of the idea of
2: banking with inherently risky, speculative activity is, in my judgment, unwise. And we are deliberately and certainly with this legislation moving towards inheriting much greater risk in our financial
1: services industries. We will, in 10 years' time, look back and say we should not have done that because we forgot the lessons of the past.
2: I made a mistake
1: in presuming that the self-interest of organizations, specifically banks and others, were such as that they were best capable of protecting their own shareholders. We're talking about betting against the very thing that you're selling without disclosing that to that
2: client. Because they're not a conflict. In the context of market making, that is not a conflict. Could you give me a yes or no to whether or not you considered yourself
0: to have a duty to act in the best interest of your clients. Who received the one trillion dollars in funds that the Federal Reserve has handed out to domestic institutions? He said, I'm not gonna tell you. I have a hard time understanding how you have put two point two trillion dollars
1: at risk without making those names available.
2: It's long overdue. We need to audit the Federal Reserve. Conservative members of the court ruled corporations have First Amendment rights and that the government cannot impose restrictions on their political speech. It will undoubtedly cripple the ability of ordinary citizens, Congress, and the states to adopt even limited measures to protect against corporate domination of the electoral process.
0: There is nobody in this country who got rich on his own. You moved your goods. To market, on the roads the rest of us paid for. You hired workers, the rest of us paid to educate. You built a factory and it turned into something terrific or a great idea, keep a big hunk of it. But part of the underlying social contract is you take a hunk of that and pay forward to for the next kid who comes along.
1: blog but it was a 99 uh, Occupy um occupy Wall Street actually movement and um uh, um that was Elizabeth Warren I was talking in there about banking failures and uh, what they're doing now um i you know when you get as uh, when you get as far it, it, when you when you lived as long as I have I guess and you've been involved with this this kind of news and followed it for so many years, um, you realize that uh man, you know, you you you, you really uh, start to understand how uh, history repeats itself, you know. Um but more so you, you, you understand um I guess you just understand corporate greed, you know. Corporate greed. Uh, but you understand politics is 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 wrong, rigged, and corrupt. This is another uh, uh, great uh, uh, thing. Uh, it a, a nice little video I like to play. It's called "Do You Know Where Your Nabisco Treats Are Made?" Yeah, and. Uh, Like members of the bakery, confectionery, tobacco workers, and grain millers working at Nabisco uh, plants throughout the United States, uh, take great pride in producing the iconic products that have been a part of millions of Americans' lives for more than 50 years. This is by by, uh, this this unit. Well, let's uh, let's read. Let's uh, read. Yeah, let's put this up. this was posted uh, March 11th, but, you know, it's it's still pertinent
2: because... Did you know that your favorite Nabisco cookies and crackers may have been made in Mexico? Nabisco, which makes Oreos, Honey Grahams, Big Newtons, Animal Crackers, and Ritz Crackers, makes a lot of their products in Mexico. Nabisco has two plants in Mexico, where low-wage workers and workplaces with lax regulatory standards are producing some of your favorite brands. Then they ship all those cookies and crackers back to the U.S. for you and me to buy in our grocery stores. Wait a minute, but don't we want to support Nabisco workers in the U.S. and help our own economy grow? Of course we do. So how do you know if you're eating Nabisco products that are made in Mexico? Check the label. Look for Made in Mexico on the back label. If you want to be sure your favorite Nabisco treats are being made by hard-working Americans, check the label on every Oreo, Honeygram, Big Newton, Animal Crackers, and Ritz package before you purchase. If you do see the Made in Mexico label, set it aside, and be sure to tell your store manager that you want them to stock only U.S.-made Nabisco products. Buy U.S.-made Nabisco products, and know that you are supporting the U.S. economy, U.S. workers,
1: and U.S. communities. Yeah, makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, So anyway, that's what's going on, folks. T-Mobile uh, their dirty tricks secrets uh, exposed on firing, uh, firing deceiving customers and more I don't see what that one I mean uh, yeah, damn phone companies they're, they're so used to ripping you off AT&T was pretty bad uh, all the others uh, all the others I don't think anybody's much better but T-Mobile's dirty secret exposed unfair firing, deceiving customers, and more. Last week, award-winning labor and business uh, reporter Stephen Greenhouse uh, published a comprehensive article on T-Mobile's disgraceful labor and consumer practices. A uh, mobile is uh, currently the golden child of the telecom industry and a media-friendly CEO with high profits. But as Greenhouse writes, the company faces allegations of the law in nearly uh, every part of its operation. The New York State Attorney General is investigating T-Mobile for deceptive advertising, um, particularly regarding its no contract requirement, and claim uh, central to the company's spread. The uh, company's and rather, I'm sorry, claim uh central to the company's appeal as the uncarrier whatever that is and uh, anyway it it's it it goes on and on blah. so anyway they 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 were uh they were um uh, screwing around you know yeah if any workers at any company need a union it's t mobile in contrast to the company's laid-back, uncarrier image, um, employees in T-Mobile call centers are subject to high-stakes high metrics that take into account everything from number of calls, a uh, number of seconds on a call, to when they go to the bathroom. Severe anxiety and panic attacks are common. Um, Greenhouse interviewed former customer service rep Juliet. Krause, who reported vomiting from stress from work and that her manager often ordered employees who had the worst sales numbers or longest average call times to wear a dunce cap. Boy, Help uh, might soon be on the way. The organized T-Mobile Workers United has uh, brought together employees from all over the country to support each other and push to change T-Mobile's policies. This week, the T-U... Uh, Became an organizing vocal with the Communications Workers of America and uh, with none other than fire worker, uh, with none other than fired worker Joshua Coleman as one of its leaders. Good for them. Good for them. Oh, boy. Is Donald trump I don't know if I read this before um yeah um let uh, communicate good i'm sorry um, communication workers of America. Want your stories about voter suppression. So they, they, uh, they. But um, here's something interesting. Um, there's an article by Common Dreams, and it uh, uh, United States it States quite a bit actually. It says the most substantial substantive political debate in recent political history. Win or lose, Bernie Sanders has made his Democratic primary the most substantive in my lifetime. And not that Hillary Clinton campaign is void of ideas. Let's see what they're talking about here. Because I think he's right. That Hillary doesn't campaign is devoid of ideas. She has some thoughtful ones, but the boldness of Sanders' proposal is what has driven this historic and instructive debate. The, the dynamic so far consists of Sanders setting a marker: free tuition, universal free health care, breaking up the banks, uh, and a $15 federal minimum wage, a one-trillion-dollar public works investment, and Clinton responds. And there is two camps engaged in a spirited, intelligent, and surprisingly concrete debate. This back and forth has, has uh, forced both candidates to raise their game. When Sanders proposed free college tuition, Clinton responded by unveiling her detailed new college compact plan. When Clinton attacked Sanders for failing to identify revenue sources for the finance his free tuition and health care proposal, he promptly posted chapter and verse on his website. Um, When economics uh, professor Gerald Friedman uh, concluded that if Sanders' policies were implemented and combined effect would be to stimulate dramatically strong economic growth, four former heads of the Council of Economic Advisers, CEA, wrote an open letter not only dismissing his conclusions as not credible but admonishing, making such promises runs against our party's best con- traditions of evidence-based policy making. They said, "Huh?" But the three-part, three-paragraph letter generated a collegi- collegial scolding from James Galbraith. for I thought he was dead. Um, <laughs> executive director of the Joint Economic Committee of congressional counterpart of the CEA. Geez, what a mouthful that is. He's the, direct, the the former and current former executive director of the Joint Economic Committee of the Congressional Counterpart of the CEA. You know, like that. He pointed out the signatory's own lack of evidence for their, edu- for their conclusion. I looked to the bottom of the page to find a reference to link to your rigorous reviews of Professor Friedman's study. I found nothing there. That led of the uh, that led one of the signers to undertake a far more detailed response, which in turn generated an instructive, and very and much too rare discussion. Uh, degrade, uh, I'm sorry, regarding the validity of assumptions inside the black black box of conventional economic models. Phew! What a mouthful this was. The back and forth has also revealed strategic differences born of a distinct political philosophies. Bernie would deal with a concentrated economic power uh, through structural change. Hillary would rely on regulatory oversight. Bernie would work to break up giant banks directly. Clinton prefers to strengthen the Dodd-Frank law. Clinton sees Sanders' proposal as politically untenable. Sanders sees Clinton's proposal as unworkable. Sanders' uh, prescription for structural change often includes using government as a competitive service provider. That is the case with his proposal to relieve postal banking from 1910 to 1967. Uh, The U.S. Post Office, the most ubiquitous of all public institutions, provides financial services. At its peak, 1947, the U.S. Postal Bank had over 4 million accounts, and deposits exceeding, wow, exceeding $3.3 billion. Almost 90 90 million people in the United States have no bank account. What? Wow. Almost 90 million people in the United States have no bank account and pay about 10% of their income and fees and interest to gain access to credit or other financial services. Wow. 90 million people don't have bank accounts, huh? Today, the U.S.P.S. Postal Service already handles money orders. Sanders adopting recommendations put forth in 2014 by by the uh, United Postal Service Inspector General proposes to allow the post office to also offer reloadable prepaid debit cards, uh, postal transactions, domestic and international money funds, uh, transfers, uh, savings account, and cash check, check cashing, and small loans. What a what a good idea! Having that all through the UPS, you know, you know and, and different, uh, break up those damn banks monopolies. Um, different. Uh, we're, I'm I'm all for public banking, by the way, and I uh, I hope to have a guest on next week um, to, to speak about it. Her name is uh, Ellen Brown, a remarkable uh, writer, writer. Uh, very, very, very much involved uh, with uh, the public banking lobby. And um, different political philosophies may also explain Sanders and Clinton's uh, contrasting positions on uh, means testing. Sanders proposes free education at public colleges and universities for billionaires and paupers alike. Clinton's degree d- disagrees. She finds it ethically offensive to require taxpayers to foot the college tuition bill for those who can't afford to pay. I disagree with free college for everybody. I don't think taxpayers should be paying to send Donald Trump's kids to college. She said uh, several times during the campaign, "As for those who can't afford to pay full fare, she knows that her education plan makes everybody put some skin in the game. So Hillary has the support of most economists. Twenty-two uh, selected by NPR's Planet Money and PR. <laughs> 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 Twenty-two economists selected by National Petroleum Radio's Planet Money across the political spectrum turned thumbs down on Bernie's proposal. 2007 Nobel laureate Eric Maskin spoke to most of his pro most, sorry, spoke for most of his profession. Many students can afford to pay a considerable amount toward their higher education. It is wasteful to give them a free ride. Yeah. Well, why is, why should we be giving people free rides for uh, to build uh, guns, you know, or free rides to to banks or free rides to uh, you know corporations to pollute the, the everybody, you know, that's a free ride education is not a free ride that you know people got to earn their education you know so but you know to make it free that's a wonderful thing that's a wonderful thing the sanders program is designed to help only those in severe economic distress save taxpayer money but the savings are achieved by a great moral and social are achieved by a great moral and social cost For Sanders, programs designed to help only those in severe economic distress save taxpayers money, but their savings are achieved by a great moral and social cost. Means testing and imposes a considerable and often humiliating burden on families to prove their dire straits, not to mention an avalanche of paperwork and significant overhead expense. He would also note that programs that involve uh, means testing also tend to have a bumpier ride and shorter life expectancy than universal programs. Consider the divergent past, present, and future of Medicare and Medicaid. Sanders and Clinton's uh, proposal for health care reveals similar ideological strategic differences. Both accept that Obamacare has extended health insurance to tens of millions of people, where Clinton believes we can get to universal health care by further uh, further expanding in Obamacare. But Sanders disagrees. He considers the foundation of Obamacare a network of increasingly concentrated private, profit-oriented insurance companies, an insurmountable obstacle to achieving universal, affordable health care. And with massive studies, the Obamacare uh, exchange, as have, uh, sorry. The Obamacare exchanges have exceeded health insurance to millions. But health insurance does not necessarily translate into access to health care. Nearly a quarter of all non-elderly adults are uninsured. Wow. Nearly double that rate in 2003. As a result, almost half go without a doctor's visit, medical test, a prescription due to costs. And under Obamacare, the average deductible for families with a silver plan is about six thousand dollars. And out of pocket costs for copayment and deductibles would be as high as thirteen thousand two hundred dollars. Dr. Robert Czar, president of physicians for national health care, observes in short, under the new health law, we're witnessing a dramatic acceleration of the trend of shifting more and more medical costs onto the shoulders of patients and their families, and even as medical costs and premiums rise and as private health insurance companies reap record, record profits. Government spending currently accounts for over almost two-thirds of U.S. healthcare spending when we take into account uh, tax expenditures. As David Himmelstein, co-founder of Blah, Blah, blah uh, we uh, already pay for national health insurance, but we don't get it. Hillstein, <sighs> um, co-founder of Physicians for National Health Program, said that we already get, we already pay for it. national health insurance, but we don't get it. Uh, Bernie proposes a dramatic structural change. A single non-profit insurance company, Medicare for All, and would provide free health care without deductibles or copays, negotiate prices with the pharmaceutical industry that boasts a profit rate five times higher than that of the rate of the median Fortune 500. Unlike in the debate involving free tuition where, um, Both sides agree that sufficient public money exists but disagree on its appropriateness. Deep and often vehement disagreements exist about uh, the financial impact of Bernie's health proposal. Critics estimate savings from reduced overhead and drug uh, prices to be only a fraction of those projected by Sanders supporters. Uh, But again, the fact and fourth the back-and-forth is readily available for those waiting to make their own decisions. Sanders envisions a government role not only as insurer but also as a direct provider of health care, and his vehicle for this is the government finance and operative veterans administration. Most of those readings, this will be surprised because of the scandals regarding the long wait times, but these are problems of access, not quality. Many independent studies of the VA here and abroad found it one, one of the most effective and lowest-class medical systems in the United States. Its long-term care model allows it to profitably focus on prevention. Salaried doctors allow it, to avoid, allow it to avoid a fee-for-service model that encourages waste, and its pioneering uh, information technology allows for data gathering and sharing that reduces medical mistakes and identifies areas of uh, improvement. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful that uh, we develop system of health care just to get back and just just to get us into the 21st century this is interesting Find the Panama Papers could catapult Bernie Sanders to the White House? Kind of interesting. Um, but um, it's a pretty long article. What, what I'll do is I'll refer you to this article. um for some reason that i can't seem to there's uh, something that now you know, you know I, I know what I was looking for, but I I found that uh, difficult to uh, talk about. Uh, I I find I I had a particular uh, thing in mind here. I wanted to, before close tonight. I wanted to just talk about the. Uh, uh, about the uh, layoffs and stuff in the state, um, some bad stuff happening, and it's just, yeah, Connecticut is just a nowhere, man. It's just really seriously becoming nowhere, you know. And no place to live for, I mean, rich people and poor people are leaving the state. I wanted to read a couple of things here that Larry sent me today. Um, yeah. Um. This is from the Connecticut News Junkie, but it, it says that uh, unions criticized Malloy administration over layoff tactics. Okay. Uh, we just had a, he just put out a whole bunch of layoffs. I mean, we're talking almost three thousand public workers in Connecticut that are targeted for a layoff and uh, uh in, in the next couple months. State employees were walked off the j walked uh, a second. State employees were walked off the grounds of the Connecticut Juvenile Training School on Monday of this week, and on Tuesday, about 40 clerical workers at the Department of Social Services were laid off in a conference call, according to um, union officials. This is a terrible and inhumane way to handle layoffs. Yolanda Rolando, president of ASPE, local 196 representing clerical workers, said, It's also an indictment of the governor's so-called new economic reality, which seems to be an excuse for punishing middle-class state workers instead of asking our wealthiest citizens to sacrifice a little bit of protect uh, or to protect public services. The Malloy administration announced Tuesday that 71 employees in the Department of Economic and Community Development, Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services, and Department of Social Services were laid off. That brings the total number of layoffs to 236. And the administration laid off 165 employees from the Department of Children and Families and Department of Mental Health and Addiction. To laid people that needed the most. And these are, these are, 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 are agencies that are having a difficult difficult time already uh keeping up with, with, with their workloads but now they're cutting back on these people. There are another hundred and forty seven layoffs expected by the Department of Corrections, but no official notice um beyond any announcement from the commissioner has been given to those employees. I don't know who 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 it's gonna hit or when or where. This is a difficult process, one that we aim to ensure is done respectfully and legally. Malloy's budget office said in a statement, as such, there will be additional reduction notices in the future. We will continue to notify the public as future notices go out. Yeah, right. Well, there were 360 retirements, 288 vacancies before the layoff process um, started. Governor Daniel Malloy said uh, Tuesday that he expects to eliminate 2,500 more jobs which means they are about sixteen hundred layoffs notices that still need to be served. The seventy one clerical worker layoffs will state will save the state about five point two million. The layoffs of the Department of Children and Families states twelve uh save twelve point six. The fifty nine layoffs in the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services will save fifteen million. Well all these people are going to have lose their jobs, yeah? And there's probably pretty decent paying jobs, you know, in the state. Lori Pelletier, president of AFL-CIO, stood outside Malloy's office Tuesday and criticized the manner in which the layoffs were being conducted. said the governor should be ashamed that his administration used a conference call to lay off mostly minority women who belong to the Department of Social Services' clerical staff union. Um... Undersecretary of Legislative Affairs Disputed Pelletier's characterization um, Every employee affected at DSS Met face-to-face with his or her manager In 10 of the 12 locations There was a union steward present uh, Human resources staffs were present in most cases And were made available on the phone To answer questions to the individuals Across multiple agency offices many have had um, CSEA President of Stiff, Stephen Anderson said Monday that when the DCF employees were walked off the job at the Connecticut Juvenile Training School they left the remaining personnel short-staffed and at great risk in what is at times can be a dangerous environment and asked why the state employees were told to go home uh, before even starting their shift. Well, said it was because that's how you do things in this day and age. Yeah. He said state employees will continue to be paid for a certain amount of time, which means that they have time to search for another job. And we want to be as supportive as we can of those individuals who, through no fault of their own, are no longer working to be, going to be working with the state. State employees will be able to file for unemployment after they stop receiving a paycheck from the state. Well, there you go, folks. And, uh, that wonderful upbeat note. We're not going to leave here tonight, and thank you for joining me. And um, you know, we'll be we'll be in touch. Oh, next week. Um, I just want you to know, next week we have some uh, couple of things happening um hope to have a couple of interesting people on um, one guy that I that I hope to have on uh, next uh, Tuesday night or Tuesday or Thursday but most probably Tuesday night might be uh, political uh, uh, the uh, owner of the politicalgambler.com he's actually I guess he lives in in, uh, in England but he has a, a political gambling uh Website that uh, we're going to talk about It's illegal to gamble On politics in the United States But not anywhere else in the world And uh, we'll talk about that uh, Probably next week So uh, join us then And um, um, You know Talk to you soon Good night